We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. L Nation, what's good? What's good? Yo, we gave you a full day of fantastic content. Players Lounge, early in the day, and players only, late at night. Lucky Lefty Podcast. You already know, we spin it different. I'm Sean Davis, SD2 Mics. That dude, the original Lucky Lefty himself, Malik Zaire. We are brought to you by Anora Whiskey. AnoraWhiskey.com. It is that premium American whiskey, AnoraWhiskey.com. And if you drink, by all means, make sure that you drink responsibly. Gotta drink responsibly. We put the link to the players only show in the chat. So if you missed it, copy, paste it, open it up in another tab, save it for right after the show. 40 minutes of fantastic conversation as Malik hosted with former Notre Dame players, Oscar McBride, CJ Procise, and Jerron Jones. And the more I dig on Jerron, I found out last night Jerron was a, ba- a mama's boy, dog. Oh, yeah. I talked to a few people. They were like, yo, that dude, that big giant is a mama's boy. His mom was cool, though. So he has a great mom. Him and, him and Jameer definitely uh, got a good mama with that one. That's what's up. So go check it out. You really see the true essence of Notre Dame brotherhood when you see these four guys sit and talk about the program, the season, and where the program is headed. That's right. Players only. We appreciate you. And you can go to Apple Podcasts and Spotify right now, courtesy of CFB Nation, in conjunction with Irish Breakdown. And you can get all of that great content and much more. It is the Lucky Lefty podcast we spin it different we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, 
So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Today's show, we didn't get to it because we gave you so much content. We didn't yeah. get left a chance to give out his grades for Saturday right. night. So Left is going to give his grades, brought to you by Honora Whiskey. Left, whew, might be tough. You know, parents, tough. parents might not want to come pick up these grades. Hey, the kids might the kids might hide them in the uh, bottom of the book bag, talking about I didn't get them yet. Right, right. <laughs> they didn't mail them yet, or they didn't give them to us. <laughs> <laughs> Might be some punishment going on after these grades are handed out, but yet right. still, we have to hand out the grades. 38-27, the Irish go down to Southern Cal on Saturday night in the Coliseum, falling to 8-4 and four on the season. And, of course, we start on the offensive side of the ball. Let's start with the offensive line. What are your grades? I give the offensive line a B. I think, you know, we always say that they give us a chance to win. They gave us a chance to be in the game against a top team. Um, and truthfully, with everything that USC was trying to throw at us, knowing that they were trying to stop the run and for us to still be able to go out there and manage it well enough to put us in position to still win the game, you know, you got to give a lot of credit to the offensive line of Harry Easton for being prepared. Maybe not being perfect, but being prepared for the moment, I definitely believe, especially with, the guys that are you're young on the offensive line and getting that experience and not looking two-faced as well as the senior leadership, you can tell there's going to be a bright future for that online. And, you know, uh, I thought we did a good job up front. Let's talk about the running backs. Really didn't get, get going in the game. Um, estimate, some people are saying dealing with an injury. How do you think they fared on Saturday night? You give it a C plus. I mean, for that to be the, the best part about our team and us not, you know, get to where we really wanted to be, a lot of it, you know, from some injuries and some knick-knack things here and there, I thought the production could have been more. But, you know, uh, the running game, if it did flourish, as well as we had talked about throughout the, the pregame and getting ready throughout the week, felt like we could have won the game. So not winning the game can't give anything higher than a B. But we did have uh, some good runs here and there, just not enough. Let's go to the pass catchers, the tight ends, and the wide receivers. Yo, this honestly, this might be their highest grade of the season, bro. Like that. Yeah, I, I definitely gave him a B. I think one thing that Coach Chance he stuck he said pregame, which really stood out to me, was being able to uh, was telling the guys to show the world what our culture looks like in that room, and it's definitely. 
uh, flourishing from the sense of I know I can tell that it's, it's going to be a great group for the next year. And it's a group that wants to be better. And they made some plays here and there. Obviously, tight end, you know, tight end you over here. We got our – at least we get a guy that gets to be a finalist for uh, the tight end award. And Michael Mayer having two touchdowns last night, adding to the amazing career that he is able to put together, thanks to Tommy Reese, you know, calling him plays for him. But, you know, for us to be against a team that we knew we need to score a lot of points against, I think the receiver room – uh, stepped up and, and finished strong how they should during the regular season. Um, just, you know, I wish we could have had a little bit more. Just the whole game, we just wanted more from that group. But uh, they definitely were there, <laughs> and they made somewhat of an impact, so I got to give them a B. We go to the quarterback, Drew Pine. C-minus. So, I don't care nothing about the numbers. It's a C-minus. You got two turns. Yeah, the numbers out, yeah, I don't care about none of them numbers because the numbers is what's been fooling us the whole season. C-minus, you give up two turnovers. You can't do that against a superstar quarterback on the other side of the ball. And no matter how well everybody thought you played, them two turnovers hurt us the worst, and we didn't win the game. And you got to know, when you got that ball in your hands as a quarterback, everybody's hopes, dreams, and careers lie within that football. You got to take care of it. Yeah. And careless mistakes on those two turnovers, I can't get over that. Outside of you doing a bunch of efficient numbers, which, you know, it kept us close but not good enough. I will say he did his job. He didn't do it to the best of his capability, but he did his job. Two turnovers is not doing your job, especially. I, that. I agree with that because that's the first rule of thumb for a quarterback is to protect the ball. So I absolutely agree with that. I absolutely agree with that. You know, it's just the context surrounding, and and, and we talked about it. I don't want to, you know, prolong this conversation in there, but we continue to talk about it every week. We saw this coming, and every time someone wanted to pull out his record as a starter. Which, in honesty, I, I doubt. I don't think his record as a starter is better than Benjamin Morris's record as a starter. Mm. Why can't we say what Benjamin Benjamin Morris's record as a starter is? That's true. With his impact, because when he started, things started changing too. Can we talk about that? I mean, and that's why you don't single out individuals from the team. Right. When you do that, you do that young man a disservice. I fully, fully, I know, I know the competitor that Drew Pine is, he knows the mistakes he made Saturday night. Yeah, I mean, he played. He, knows. he, he played, went back. You know. He knew what he cost Notre Dame, the chance to be in that game late. He knows that. So everyone that wants to defend him, he doesn't need that. It's like if you come, you know, if you come to the dinner, you make the great sides, you know, macaroni is on point, your green beans are crispy and right, you got all the other side dishes, and then you forget the turkey. Mm-hmm. You forget the turkey. Yeah. Now we got to order pizza. Yeah. yeah, the sides is great, but when we needed the main thing, which was no turnovers, you didn't come through, and it's a result-based business. The dinner can't go on without the main course. And that's what you forgot, that football twice. Yeah. But everything else was solid. Yeah. And this is why it's a disservice 
it's a spit in his face as a competitor. You know why? I pitched in high school, bro. That's what I did. We had a really good team. I remember going up against a good team, Harlem. They're in our division. And we had a really good offensive day, bro. We put up 10 runs. Mm. And we won 10 to 6. I gave up five runs through like four innings. Mm. But it was a big win. Yeah. Like that's Harlem was one of our biggest rivals. It was Harlem, Morgan Park, and Simeon. Anybody in the Chicagoland area knows those are the three teams on the south side from a baseball standpoint. Yeah. Everybody was happy. You know what I did all night when I got home? I was pissed. You was on your uh, Giannis? I gave up five runs and four innings, bro. It's pretty bad. I'm a competitor. Yeah. Yeah, we won. I'm happy we won. But I should not have given up five runs in four innings. So when you try to pacify and show these stats and pull out his stats as a starter, what you do is you spit in the face of his competitive nature. Because Drew Pine's not happy with his play this year. What you're saying is, well, look at this. No, he knows he needs to be better. And he wants to be better. Let him live in that, in the culture of the team concept. Let him brew. Let him hear. The dissatisfaction. Let, let him hear. He knows. Stop trying to defend him from things. He knows what needs to be done. Let him be an athlete. You don't have to protect that young man. He's smart. He, he understands. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's why I push back on all of that crap. <clears throat> you don't isolate a young man like that. Because you're not helping him. You're not helping him. You're just not. Especially if he didn't think he was going to be in that position. Man, look. You're not helping that young man. Because I already know he's a competitor. Yeah. You don't get to know the game unless you fight and compete. So we yeah. already know he's a competitor. So he doesn't need to be protected at all. Lucky Lefty Podcast. I wasn't protecting Brandon. <laughs> Man. <laughs> I'll leave that one alone. Yeah. <laughs> Offensive coordinator Tommy Reese. What's your grade for Tommy on Saturday night? Man, I wish I, I wish I'd give him two grades, one for the first half, one for the second. I thought the second half was better than the first half, but overall, probably averaging out to a B. I think it was just too cute in the first the first couple drives early on. We needed points in that first quarter. I think that would have made the difference in the game. Uh, too many three and outs early on, but, you know, as a play caller, you got to keep calling them. And uh, the play calls got better towards the end. I just think it should have got uh, started a little faster in the beginning. Look to the defensive side of the ball, defensive line. For I think for a man, a chunk from like 
first quarter all the way up to halftime, that man, they got after Caleb Williams. Yeah. They look good. Real that good. brother was running laps, looking yeah. like Patrick Mahomes in the Super Bowl against the Buccaneers. That's right. I mean, we had him running around. I think that was part of the game plan that I know we wouldn't coming up with all the sacks, but it, we we definitely had him on his feet a lot. I mean, he's just a great player. I, I, it's hard to – well, going against guys like that, obviously we didn't uh, shut him down all the way. We gave up a lot more rushing yards than I thought we would give up. But, you know, from the nature of the game, and Fosky got his sack in there. I think he had one. Did he have two? I think he had one. One and a half. One and a half, yeah. I don't want to give him too bad of a grade, but I got to give him a C plus. I just think if we were going to win that game, it was going to be because of them and our running game. And it just was dollar late the day short. So yeah. um, I think that there was a lot of good things we saw. Like you said, we we definitely to be facing the top quarterbacks in the country, at least two of the top three. I think we definitely gave them games that they wouldn't have during the rest of the regular season. You know, we gave them a, a real challenge up front. But, man, I just wish we really, really, we would have capitalized on that and come out with a victory. But give them a C plus. <sighs> wish it would have been better. <laughs> Let's go to the secondary, which I don't know if you're going to, if you're going to grade on the curve. I mean, they were missing two of the top three defensive backs going into that game, and it was going to be a challenge against the wide receivers and Caleb Williams with a full complement of players on the back end. But I will say this, you saw the ascent, or you continue to see the ascent, ascension, I'm sorry, of one Xavier Watts, that he's getting it. He is, he's starting to click, and I'm glad he stood up when they were thinking about moving him to wide receiver after the Deion Cozy injury and Avery Davis injury late in camp, I'm glad he stood up and said, man, I mean, I'll do it for the team, but I really want to stay, want to stay at safety. And you can tell now he might end up being a dude. 100%. I mean, he's like six, three, six, four, and he's fast and he's versatile. He's a good athlete. I mean, his highlight tape got him all over the place, you know. So he's finally coming into his own, fitting in that window that we always talk about, of taking advantage of the opportunity in that window. He's definitely uh, made a huge, huge, huge leap into that. And so just from that standpoint, as well as the two young guys in there uh, trying to step up against undoubtedly one of the best receiver groups in the country, I give it a B because of the experience they gained from it. And it wasn't something where they opened the floodgates and allowed 50, 60 points, and we can give the older, young excuse. I think they competed at a high level. Um, obviously, I wish we would have made one or two more plays. That's why it's not an A. But from all things including missing Cam Hart and having those young guys be able to, you know, stay involved in the game. I mean, we didn't let Jordan Addison go too crazy or let Brennan Rice or, or Luke Runner go too crazy. Uh, it was really about Caleb Williams, and I think that made it hard on that seat. If they got to win games like that, you know, I think they're, they'll have a lot uh, harder time winning games than than not. So 
keeping keeping uh, everybody from getting too involved. I think the secondary did great on an experience level, competitive level. Uh, just give them a B. We go to the linebackers who were coming into this game on a roll. They really had. They were really really playing well, and unfortunately, seems like that trend changed a little bit against the Trojans on Saturday night. I was just tired of seeing them chasing. You know, J.D. Bertrand was just behind the play too much. Like, I thought he was – they tried to sit him on spies and stuff, and, you know, Caleb Williams just a better athlete that day. I don't know. I just think uh, Jalen Sneed being in there, maybe a different story. Maybe Caleb thinking twice about running around all that time. But for a tough challenge, I mean, you got to give him a C because – I think if they played any better than the C, we probably would have won the game. Not that they didn't play well or anything, but it's just obvious that the linebackers, if they played an A game, we wouldn't have a 38-27 game either. So got to give them a C. And I think that uh, Marcus Freeman understands what he has coming in and what he has in the tank. So I don't think we'll see another performance uh, like that, even though it was – I wouldn't say it was bad, but it just wasn't good enough. Yeah. Lucky Lucky Podcast. I just want to point this out. I see things in the chat. That's something I usually save it for later, but uh, thank you, Ricky Harris, for tapping in. He says, I don't want to hear any more about Jay Mickey. The young man's got a long way to go before he can talk the talk that he's been putting out. Um, I'm going to vehemently disagree with that. You never mm -hmm. ask a player not to be themselves. That's when you're genuine. That's when you know somebody is genuine. Yeah. They don't just talk trash when things are good. They talk trash, period. Like, yeah, you got me. I'm coming back. Let him be him. Let him play his game. And that's what Al Golden didn't allow him to do Saturday night, putting him 10, 12 yards off the ball. That's not mm -hmm. the way he plays. He's a physical bump and run corner. Let him play his game. Yeah. Let him play his game. Even if it's not 10, 12 yards off the ball is not his game. No. All year they asked this young man to do something that he is not comfortable doing. That's right. So I put that on coaches. The yeah. double safety bliss against Ohio State, that's not on him. That's not on him. No. That's on Al Golden. It's a terrible call. The safety bliss against Navy, it was that's not on him. Terrible call. Everybody noticed it. <laughs> Everybody. Everybody. He's a true freshman in his first college game. On we see down. running down late. We're like, what are you doing? What are you doing? And that's the position you put him in? A terrible call. And they put him in terrible positions all year. All year. And tough, him in the terrible positions, tough positions for a young guy that's just trying to get his feet wet. Yes. You know, but he, he wasn't doing that in camp when he was making all them plays. No, he was playing bump and run physical football <laughs> yeah. five yards off the ball and off man. That's right. At the most. And you yeah. come into the season and put him 10 yards off the ball in the slot. Yeah. He's, never, he's never played in a slot. That's ever. not where he got his name from. That's not how he that's not how he got the groundswell of support from the team by doing that. So when you're asked to do something different and you're a young guy. I mean, you can only expect so much. And plus, that's what you can't do is stop being who he is and being the competitive uh, stuff talker that he is. 
if you start putting a harness on that, this game is going to change dramatically. But I hey, do learn it so much. Take it to let that dude be him, man. Let him be him. That's the worst thing you can do as a coach. Yeah. Just trying to change the type of player a young man is. Let him be oh, him. Marcus Freeman is the type of coach to really do that. If anything, he's going to support you and be like, hey, I know it was a rough but one. Coach Mickens was on the show with us talking about Jaden Mickey. That's right. And, and told us he's going to struggle, but he's a confident His confidence is not going to go anywhere. That's right. But you have to put him in positions to allow him to be him. That's who he is. Never played in the slot, but here you go. Yeah. Play, play inside. You know how tough that is? In space, he doesn't want to give. He doesn't want to give wide receiver space. That's mm-hmm. his game. So to ask him to give the receiver space, you putting him. You ask him to play left-handed when he's a right-handed player. Yeah, you know, and I'm not shocked with the outcome at all. At all, I'm not shocked with the outcome. But I put that on. I put that on our goal. And maybe he needed to. Be the backup to Tariq Bracey for yeah. depth, depth reasons. But once again, once again, that just goes to the lack of depth in that room lack because of, of previous more. recruiting. That's right. And you'll see a groundswell of support coming from the team that supports him, knowing yeah. he's a guy, knowing that he was put in a tough position. I mean, everybody knows when you ask to do things, that are outside your realm, it's hard to even really, you know, condemn a guy. It's just like, ah, it was just a tough call. <laughs> yeah. See, I want I want Ricky to know, like, I'm just giving another perspective, and I'm really not coming at you. I just felt like I need to just because I've seen it all weekend. People take shots, and I'm like, look, <laughs> they didn't do that young man right this year. That's all I'm gonna say. That's all I'm going to say. They didn't do him right mm-hmm. at all. And if they allow him to play his game moving forward, you will see the difference in that young man. Like, it's about time Notre Dame had somebody that that wanted to talk. It has to play. Yeah. Please talk. It's crazy. We, we always we get the, the guys that talk the most get moved into the slot, and then their whole game changes. It's like, yeah. hey, keep on the outside. Like, right. <laughs> he had his best year as a freshman. He was playing outside. He was playing Marquise Lee, all the top receivers of that season. And then the year after, we move him inside, his confidence changed dramatically. So, yeah. you know, don't do it to Mickey, man. Keep on the outside where he really flourished. And then when he gets really, really good, he moved him inside. And like I said, it was a need, obviously, yeah. for both of your freshmen to play early as they did. It was a need. That's saying something. That means they're better than the sophomore class. So even with their flaws, I don't think they wanted to put him inside. But, hey, it was a need. We, we need you to do this. And, yep. yo, he wasn't good. <laughs> We're not hiding that. He was not good. But I don't think the coaching staff did him any favors this yeah. season, in my opinion. None. As a true freshman, 
Hanky, no. I don't think they did him any favors. Lucky Lefty Podcast. Uh, did we do Al Golden? Go ahead. I'm sorry. Finish the defense off. Al Golden, man, I'm giving you a C minus, man. I feel like at the end, there were some calls that I, I think that you shouldn't have put those guys in position for. Mm-hmm. We had some good things going, and I think you got away from it. And I don't know if it was a personnel thing. I really feel like you should have put Snead and Collie in there more often. Now, I don't know if that is related to who you, what you was calling in the game. Mm-hmm. But from a personnel standpoint, with the type of guy they had on the offensive side, Prince Collie and Jalen Snead can at least be comparatively athletic enough to to give a better uh, showing and could have boosted the linebackers, I think, yeah. as the game went on. I just think our linebackers got a little tired, a little frazzled. And, you know, when you're chasing a guy like that all day and you keep missing, it's going it's going to harp on your on the effect of the game in some aspect, just from a standpoint where you like, ah, oh, I just can't get him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that's when you bring in, you know, your young guys that don't know nothing for real that can just fly to get to the ball, shake it up a little bit. I thought they could have came in handy. You know, not everything is such a – they got to know all of the plays in and out. You know, sometimes just throw it in there because, you know, they're going to mess up and do something really good just because that's nature of football with super talented players. And at Notre Dame, we can afford, uh, you know, super young, talented guys to be in there and, and not get totally exposed, if anything, uh, do well because the guys around them are going to be able to put them in position to make plays. Absolutely. Lucky Lefty Podcast brought to you by Anora Whiskey. AnoraWhiskey.com, that premium American whiskey, AnoraWhiskey.com. And Anora is the presenter for Malik's grades all season. There we go. We appreciate it. Last grades for the 2022 season, but we will be giving grades for positions and players overall moving forward through the month of December along with our analyst, uh, analysis of the recruiting class in 2023. Left, I had the pleasure. You know, I'm a podcast head. Okay. I watch, I watch at least five to six podcasts per day. Easy. 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 And I came across a podcast the Brenneman show and it happened to be one of your former teammates and Irish fans. I encourage them. We're not haters when it comes to podcasts. Like we appreciate the love LL nation and everyone that has made lucky lefty podcast, a successful podcast to this point. And we love to promote great content elsewhere. And I believe his name is Adam Brenneman, the Brenneman show. Go watch the interview with Deshaun Kaiser, former Notre Dame quarterback. It's a great interview. And it was it was good to see Deshaun in this space. Right? Like it seems like he's in a really good space in his life. You know, and being able to uh speak about things in the past, the first thing that stood out to me was his recruiting trip or his recruiting decision. Like I, I never knew this, his background. You know, coming from outside of Toledo, 
and he went through it. Uh, he was about to commit to another school, but the school he was about to commit to, he really wasn't excited about. And his dad said, well, man, why don't you give, you know, the schools that you would really like to play for a call and see if they're interested before you commit. And so Notre Dame was one of those schools. And he said the day he called was the day that Ev got in trouble. <laughs> it's like, it just like literally the way life works. He was like, literally, they had told me previously that uh, I think he said Chuck Martin had told him, like, yeah, we're not taking a quarterback, another quarterback. We're good. And literally when he calls back to check in with them again, it's the same day that Ev gets in trouble. And we had Gunner gone at that time, too. So we really didn't – we really had like a, a – it was just me and yeah. Tom and, and, and uh, Hendricks. Yeah. And so that's how he ended up. Um, he, he took a trip to Alabama. I think the other school was Tennessee. And then he took the trip to Notre Dame. He said, dude, the day he got to Notre Dame, it was the most picturesque Midwest day you could ever see and you just like you felt like that Notre Dame aura. Yeah. Oh, it was LSU. Thank you, Eric. It was LSU, Alabama, and Notre Dame, the three visits. And he just talked about, you know, making the commitment and being part of that class. That's the first thing that jumped out because that's an incredible story. Mm. To know, like, you know, him getting to Notre Dame was definitely affected by, you know, Ev and everything that happened with him and his suspension. Then the second part that jumped out to me, bro, when he talked about the Virginia game. And the funny part was he talked about how crazy and erratic Brian Kelly was on the sideline after you got hurt. He <laughs> was like, he was like, yo, like pretty much like Kelly was losing it. Like, yo. And he said the blessing in that whole situation, he was like, after Malik got hurt, we went in scoring range. And he said, my first play, I handed the ball off to CJ for a touchdown. He, like, he was like, people don't get that. He was like, they kind of ease me. That's the comforting thing. you know. Yeah. yeah, he said, I handed the ball off to CJ for a touchdown. <laughs> you know, it was cool, he said, but then we came back. And he said, um, yo, on that pass to uh, Will Fuller, he was like, yeah, Will Fuller ran a sluggo, and I saw a dude had a man to man and he was like, I'm, I'm just letting this ride. You know? One of those things, you close your eyes and pray to God that it get there. <laughs> you know, then he, in, in conjunction with that season, he talked about going home, playing at home, playing a couple more games, and then going to Clemson and, in the middle of that hurricane. And he just talked about the experience and, like, you know, he knew Deshaun Watson from Elite 11, and he was just like, yo, you know, he first drive, Deshaun runs down the sideline for a long run and starts wiping his jersey off, and he's like, yo, it's crazy. They got a DJ. He was like, it was just a crazy environment. Yeah, that DJ was fired the whole time, and it was in the rain. Yeah. I'm like, this man playing the cuts. Yeah, yeah. And that's what he said. He yeah. said, he was like, yo, it was a crazy environment. Absolutely crazy environment. He was just like, man, we just couldn't get it done. Just made a few mistakes. Didn't end up getting a victory. The third thing that jumped out in this interview was when he talked about you guys. 
your relationship. And he was like, yo, he was like, our relationship was great, yo. He was like, we used to not, he, you told me this. So when he, he said it, I was like, oh man. He was like, yo, we're both from Ohio. Pretty much, you know, Ohio dudes, we're pretty much the same. We had the pretty much similar circle of friends. And he was like, we both just happened to be dating girls. And we told Ohio State. Right. So he said, we would drive up to the school together yeah. to go see our girls. And he said, once um, Malik took over in the quarterback uh, battle, he was like, we were still cool. Yeah. And he was like, once he got hurt, he was like, honestly, that whole quarterback rotation thing, he was like, it just sucked. He was like, because Malik should have felt like that he was the dude. He was like, he should have felt like that he was the dude. He was like, I think the way things were handled at the end of that year, he was like, our defensive coordinator got fired and season went the way it went. And he was like, ultimately, I think both of us decided to leave because of the way things were handled. He said, I decided to go to the NFL and he decided to transfer. And he was like, it just wasn't, you know, he was on, he was like, yo, it, that, yeah, that crap wasn't cool. Yeah. It was just a, it was a, it was a spoiled of riches. I think, you know, at that point, just from conversations that we both had with the head coach separately and together, I don't think that, I just think at the time when everything was coming together, the team really needed, it was a delicate balance and the team really needed the, all the right decisions to be made, which, you know, nobody can be perfect. And I think uh, it was surprising that Coach Kelly being a coach for that long uh, and handling it the way he did was just surprising because I would, I thought that he would be the perfect person to kind of navigate a situation like that. And, uh, you know, in his honest conversations with me and Deshaun at the same time saying, like, basically – he ain't really know what to do. <laughs> Talk about it's the hardest decision he's ever had to make. He don't really know, and he he thinks we both should be there. And I think that uh, you know, he he, he crapped the bed doing that. And I think it just turned both of us sour because it it wasn't a clear way throughout the whole season. So the whole time we going through the season, you know, I think there was times where I could have helped. Deshaun Moore in certain situations, but I was like blocked from really even doing anything the whole time. So I just think it was just mishandled and I think it affected, just kind of spoiled the, what we had going on. And it did affect how we both didn't want to be there. I think at half of the season, we both knew we wouldn't, didn't want to be there because we both felt like we couldn't help the situation as good as we can. Uh, but I do think that it it was for the better because it it ended up jump starting Brandon and getting Ian into the fold and and do things. You like think, that. Do you think that hurt Brandon? I think it hurt Brandon from the sense that I felt like I should have stayed that year, and uh, I think staying that year after Deshaun left because I think at the, at the time I was like, is he gonna stay? Is he gonna leave? And I'm like, I'm not waiting on him. I mean, you, it don't matter what he's doing. He ended up leaving after I said I was going to leave. Or he ended up saying he was going to the draft after I was leaving, like right after. So I think that uh, me staying could have helped Brandon transition a little bit better. 
because I think Brandon was like, okay, I got these two dudes in front of me with a lot of years. I'm kind of just chilling. You know, I don't have all the same reps and experience. I think Brandon taking a, a full year of maybe being a backup or even taking all the scout team reps for a year against the defense that we had. And I think it would have had him really prepared going into the year after. And I just think you just go through those bowls, jumping straight into it, not having the full prep that you probably get during, you know, sitting a year behind a guy or whatever the case may be. And so, you know, I think it's one of those moments in Notre Dame football history that could have really changed the outcome of a lot of what the college football landscape was at the time uh, in 2016, 15, 14 kind of thing. Uh, And being in a position to, to really help, I always look back on it. Like maybe I could have did things, but it was just such a, a bitter kind of situation that was dealt to both of us. I think that, um, you know, I spoke about it before. I thought it was a lot on Deshaun going into a year with all new guys and all new chemistry and and the expectations and the things that uh, was going on to just throw him out there and just kind of close your eyes and put everything on him because we was putting a lot on him. At at the end of the day, we had seven games where we're going offensive drive to win the game. That's a lot. <laughs> That's a lot for a guy. So, you know, uh, I think it could have been handled better. But, yeah, we had we had a great relationship uh, leading up to everything included. And a lot of it stemmed from, you know, me talking to him during the time I was going through it with Ev and, and that whole competition. I think he got to see a lot from that, and, and we decided to be better from – how that the situation was because you know Ev's Ev's and Ev make things complicated sometimes. But uh I think Brian Kelly could have handled all of that situation better between me. Well, even dating back to Ev and Tommy. Yeah. You know, I think he could have handled that better. And I just think it does make a lot of guys better. Even Ron Paulus was a little bitter in his time in Notre Dame and affected him a little bit after Notre Dame because he's like, uh, he just didn't feel like it was the the right time for him to be around the program that much. So uh, hopefully Deshaun comes back around more uh, to the program, gets on our podcast, you know, uh, gets more involved in it. I know he's on his business tip, but man, it was just a, it was just a, it you had to deal with more than just playing football. It was like a psychological game uh, during those years, and I think it took a toll on a lot of guys. But you know, through all of that, you get an Ian book. and you get a four-year starter in Ian Book so I think uh, it all played out how it was supposed to and you know we learned a lot from I think you're right and I said you could tell he was in a good place and hopefully first of all before I continue happy toxic free anniversary to Notre Dame the fan base of LL Nation yeah one year ago, the news broke that we were getting out of a bad relationship. And I haven't felt better. I know you guys haven't felt better in a long time because it was a relationship that was headed nowhere. So happy toxic free day to all Notre Dame fans and LL Nation. Look, was that a, a stalemate in a relationship where you're like, oh, that's good old faithful. Right. Yeah. Right. But no, I knew the value that one. That, <laughs> that person no longer being here, along with Marcus Freeman and the open door 
that he's made possible for former players and the vibe that he's brought around the program along with where Deshaun is. I, I too, uh, second that sentiment. That yeah, I think with Marcus Freeman, we all would have really flourished the right way and, and, mm. and been in a good position where it would have played out naturally. I think the natural way would have been like I played 16 or what was it? Yeah, 16 a year after I got hurt. Deshaun played 17, 18, Brandon played nine, you know, that kind of thing. I think uh, kind of messing with that order kind of affected a couple guys. But uh, Marcus Freeman, man, I think bringing in that bigger and having that open door policy where guys feel like they can go in his office and talk to him and not have to schedule a meeting. I think that that little stuff like that changes the dynamic of the team and how they approach wanting to play for a coach. Yeah, yeah. Lucky Lefty Podcast. Don't forget, you can go over to Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Get all of our great tent, along with our brother John Garcia Jr., his podcast, the Recruiting Podcast, and the other CFB podcast, courtesy on CFB Nation in conjunction with Irish Breakdown. Great content. We would love for you to leave your comments. Give us five stars because we feel like we give you pretty good content. We, we keep it up. And most of all, Lucky Lefty Podcast, we spin it different. Always. Left, what do you want to see from this bowl game? Do you want to see improvement from the youngsters? Do you want to, want to see more youngsters on the field? Do you want to see improvement from veterans? Like, what exactly, besides a win? That's the obvious. What is it that you're looking for in this bowl game? I would love to see Drew Pine have a Jack Cone type of game uh, and our receivers go crazy. I don't know about throwing this 60 times, but I would love to see uh, Drew Pine capped the season off with a really, really, really good performance, uh, almost like an audition tape, you know, for next year. And then defensively, I would love to see our linebackers make some game-winning and game-changing plays, things that I felt throughout the season uh, hindered us a little bit. Well, not hindered us, but it could have been more impactful uh, in towards winning. I think that linebacking group, especially those seniors and those older guys, I really want to see them be the dominant force in the game and make some game-changing plays, maybe even the game-winning stop. I think a lot of times teams that beat us go at our linebackers. So it'd be nice to see uh, the glove on the other hand in this one. Do you anticipate that Isaiah Foskey and Michael Mayer will play in this bowl game? Probably not Michael Mayer, but I think Isaiah Fowski, depending on who we playing, if we're playing Spencer Rattler or um, a, a, t a quarterback that's, you know, supposed to be somewhere in the draft, top 10 worthy, I think it'll be good for him to cap his season off with a great performance against a quarterback like that. Um, I don't think a DN, you know, I don't think he's Chase Young where he could just be like, I don't want to do nothing. But – I do think that if he came back and he stayed pretty much healthy the whole time, I don't think one game would change the that dynamic. Now, Michael Mayer, I think he's done all he's good. You know, he's one of those situations where 
you know, you fortunately stay healthy. I don't know how you do that throughout as a tight end, getting the ball that much, but he did it, you know. So if he was just to sit back and be like, you know what, guys, let these young guys, you know, in the holster start, you know, have their coming out party. I wouldn't be mad at it, man. Michael Mayer had a great, great career. Uh, he's a finalist for the tight end award. He's got all the records. You know, this last game, I don't think, unless he want to play with his friend Drew that he came in with, I don't think he has anything else to prove. But I don't think the fans would be upset if he decided to just uh, sit this one out. Look, we would love to see him play, right? And more than likely it is the last game we'll ever see Michael Mayer line up and um, play for the Fighting Irish. And if so, it has indeed been a pleasure to watch, discuss, and laud the accomplishments. He was named a Mackey finalist, I believe, on yesterday. So I'm sure he's going to, man, collect a bunch of postseason awards and go and be a first-round draft pick. And right. that just continues the tradition of tight ends at Notre Dame. That's what they do. That's what they do. That's what they do. And along that line of brotherhood, we want to share a little piece of our show from last night, Players Only, when Malik Oscar McBride, Jerron Jones, and C.J. Procise talked about the brotherhood at Notre Dame and how it's different. It's, I mean, philosophy, and philosophy is not going to work out, man. It's going to be just a lot of, I mean, it's going to be, you know, it's, it's at, at the end of the day, it's going to fall. It's going to end up being the same schools being, you know, still being nice. It's going to be still be Alabama, Georgia. Yeah, Georgia you know, know how to do it, though. Ohio State, exactly. But, you know, it's just other schools going to be paying money to, to, to get up there, but they're not going to have a coaching to, to really put it together. That's, that's really what it's going to come down to, because especially with all these boys getting paid now, you mm -hmm. got to have coaching. The coach yeah. Yeah. You know, to that point, I think you got to have a special kind of coach to take a dude that's been in one program with a specific culture for four years or three years or whatever it is. And then he's coming into another program where there's guys that have been there. He comes in and now he's the guy, you know what I mean? As a coach, you know, what's your message there? You know, these guys have, have been loyal They've stayed with your program. Like, buddy, you're just not good enough. Here's a guy that we're, we we basically we got him off the internet. So, got him off the like, internet. Hey, yeah, you, you it's, damn near tender. It's, it's, it's business now. Truth. It's literally Facts. business now. It's Facts. literally business. I mean, it's like, basically it's business. NFL now, like, you know, your yep. job get taken by another guy. Like, just like that. Another school. You're not even you're not to compete with your own school no more. Yeah, it's, it's dang near it's not even uh, the tradition that, that kids go to some of these schools for, it, it turns into, like you said, a business decision. And for a guy like Marcus Freeman, being a young coach, being a guy that, that players want to play behind, mm -hmm. what what's kind of what do you think is his, his strategy on handling not only the transfers, but the guys on his team that are developing each and every day that he's bringing in as recruits? Because you really want to be able to keep kids there. I think retention right now is, is terrible to NCAA. Mm -hmm. and, and coaches are probably even worse now because they're lying their ass off to keep some of them kids there. 100%, man. Yeah. 100%. I, think, I think Notre Dame has an authentic and, like, fully cultured brotherhood in that locker room. 
Uh, I I don't really see. I mean, yeah, you know, people probably have their differences on like the quarter on the quarterback situation and all that. But like, think about it. Everybody had their quarterback. Everybody had their um thoughts about the quarterback situation when it was you and DK going at it. You know what I'm saying? But you know, we still stuck together as a locker room. You know what I'm saying? I feel like right. the familyness and the togetherness in Notre Dame. I really feel like that's always going to stay strong. So like, that's one thing that. I could say we had a completely different experience than a lot of other schools because, like, yeah. you know, we didn't have guys coming in out like a really a revolving door. It was yeah. like you, you just didn't work out or, you know, because, like, think about it, CJ, me and, our, me and your uh, graduating class, we only had, like, 14 people that we, like, finished with. Yeah. But, like, you know, we, we, we was a really tight-knit group. And, like, all the, all the teams that we played on were all, like, we were all cohesive. We were all together. We always did everything together and all that. Mm -hmm. So like, I really feel like the brotherhood is always going to be the brotherhood. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's right. just more so how can we get the brotherhood to turn that next corner to where we can go on the national stage each and every week and dominate and do what we're supposed to do and be in talks right. for a national championship. Cause that's really mm -hmm. the goal is trying to yep. get a national championship. I agree. So that's just an excerpt from the players only show. The Malik hosted with Jerron Jones, CJ Crosice, and Oscar McBride last night. Great conversation about the state of the program, the season, Marcus Freeman, the job he's done, and how the program is going to be successful moving forward in the new landscape of name, image, and likeness and everything that's taking place. Great conversation. The link is in the chat. Check it out. And as always, it's available on podcasts over at Apple Podcasts and Spotify via CFB Nation in conjunction with Irish Breakdown. It is the Lucky Lefty Podcast. We spin it different. Left, let's get to some questions in the Super Chats. We thank everybody for tapping in today. Of course, thank you for your Super Chats. Uh, comedy lover, should MB jump on Cade McNamara in the transfer report? No. Next. Is K McNamara beating Georgia, Alabama, Ohio State? I think we've seen enough of five, eight quarterbacks. Rob Osgood, we appreciate you, my brother. Guys, how would you approach the bowl game coming up? I'm old school, so I like I'd have one week of boot camp, LOL, nothing but fundamentals and tackling Drew. I'm making this all about the young guys. What are my young guys in the stable looking like? Jalen Sneed getting more reps this week. Uh, the the younger uh, receivers getting more reps this week. I don't know if Tyler's coming back or not, but, you know, I want to explore as much as I can on a competitive level with the younger guys because we know we're going to get um, at this point in the season with who we have right now. Uh, definitely want to celebrate our seniors. You know, the Braden Lindsay's of the world. Let them enjoy uh, this bowl game in this regular season. Uh, but let them support the younger guys. This is a stress-free bowl game. <laughs> I don't think it's January 6th, but uh, it's a bowl game that I think we get back on track with building a team unity, especially building those young guys up. Um, I don't know how hard I would make this week. Uh, but I would definitely make it more about unity, celebrating our seniors, and getting a, the young guys a lot of reps. I'm for that. I'm all for that. 
uh, Garland Doxy. Thank you. Yo, Sean, I know you putting them sorry white socks on the petty train for that trade. <laughs> like, what trade? Like, I've only seen two things happen with the White Sox. Uh, they signed Mike Clevenger via free agency, and then Jose Abreu went to the Astros via free agency. So let me know. Inform me. Because if they made a trade, I missed it. I absolutely missed it. And I need to be updated. Because I'm, I'm a huge White Sox fan. I definitely missed that trade. Uh, super sticker from Cal. We thank you. We appreciate you. Thank you for the super sticker. Our guy, Mike Nolan. Thank you for the super chat. Agree with Sean and Malik. Mickey is a press corner. Let him do that and talk. Injuries change his role. Not a good sign on sophomore cornerbacks. Mickey would be great. It's not. It's not. And we had a question about, you know, transfers that might possibly be leaving the program. And that's the uniqueness about Notre Dame and the transfer portal as well. Kids are not so quick to leave before they get that degree. Yeah. Or getting close enough to the degree that their degree will say University of Notre Dame and not the place that they're eventually going to to finish off their playing career. So um, the sophomores, they might stick around one more year and possibly look at position changes like Orion Barnes maybe moving to safety or something like that, for example, before they think about transferring. That, Notre Dame's just unique. Like once you go there, you're not leaving without that degree. Yeah, most of the time, most of the time it's like Notre Dame accepts grad transfers and we let go grad transfers because you know we <laughs> you don't want to work that hard and not yeah. get that that pot of gold at the end of the range. Right. Right. <laughs> right. That's half of the business decision going into it because you're like, all right, I gotta get this damn degree. Right. You know? And so they do things now where you get so many credits in the summer, as long as you don't drop classes, you, you can set yourself up to have enough time to be a grad transfer with some years left, provided, you know, things shake your way. But you're right. If you're, if you a sophomore, it's you, you damn near there. So, you, you right. know, you should. <laughs> you might as well just play one more year like over the summer. Yeah. Suck it up. Put it up. Start talking to some coaches out right. there, you know, right. to, after graduation, I'm open. But right now, you know, I'm working on finishing that degree and, and, and getting better. Yeah. Like K.J. Wallace, he ended up going to a great institution. He went to Georgia Tech, which is a great academic school, especially if you're going there for engineering. But he made sure he set himself up to get that Notre Dame degree. Yeah, it's just, it's just like that's one of the few things in college football that don't make sense to just unless you are a true, true freshman. Mm-hmm. But once you cross that threshold and you take a couple of them credits, man, you know, you better not leave that. I don't think anybody would advise you just leave it yeah. on the table because, you yeah. know, you leave it, you definitely ain't coming back. Oh, fact. <laughs> fact. Casa. Casa Hodge. Thank you for the Super Chat. Malik, I know you're a fan of Jeff Sims. Do you think ND will consider him in the transfer portal? The question is, is Tommy Be nice. Be nice. I already know you. I already know you. Be nice. Be nice. I think if if anything, we should do a nice little balance. You know, we should get a Jeff Sims, and then you get, you know, maybe a guy like Cade. 
McNamara. You know, we'll figure it out in that aspect. But it's a unique position to be in. You got a lot of quarterbacks in that transfer portal. I think we need to get two. But but damn it, don't let the two be the same. (laughs) That's all I I hope we get two different guys in the transfer portal if we're getting transfer quarterbacks. If we're getting one, just don't let it be anything similar to the starter because we've seen that we can be consistent at an 8-9 win game, an 8-9 win season with the guy we got now. So let's 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 search to do better. Yeah. Or if anything, get something that ain't the same. Yeah. I got Palo, 27. Thank you for the super chat. I want to thank LL Nation for helping me get off the ledge. Being in L.A., tough hearing all the trash after that loss, but crickets the past eight years. Tough year, but future looking so bright. Go Irish. That's right, Paulo. We appreciate you. SC just had a fast food year. They, they, you know, they paid for their wins this year where, you know, you can't pay for wins eight years in a row. That just shows you what type of program and type of guys we've been developing on our side of things. But also, we should play into a little bit of the fast food. Go get just go get us some fries or something, maybe a apple pie or something, because we definitely need to sweeten uh, what's on our team a little bit. And we've yeah. done it in spots. I think Brandon Joseph has been pretty solid. Not the Kyle Hamilton impact that maybe we have thought, but it wasn't. Uh, we didn't take a step back either, you know. So as long as we don't take step backs uh, from going into the transfer portal. And, and they can be supplements, maybe even step-ups from what we have. Uh, I think that's that's right on track where we should be, but definitely not overhauling the roster with a bunch of one-year guys. I think that ruins the dynamic of the locker room, which is something that at Notre Dame is something special. When you have a locker room of guys that all get along together, all on the same page, that's what keeps us in a lot of these big games. But just throw in a superstar or two there, and we really see the, the – the locker room come alive. Yeah, I see the chat has told me that Garland Doxy was talking about the Jose Abreu to the Astros move. I mean, it was something we saw once contract talks broke down in the middle of the season last year. Uh, most White Sox fans knew, like, the last home game. That's why he got the standing ovation and round of applause he got from the fan base because – we knew what time it was. We knew what time it was. Yeah, you know, we knew what time it was. Like, unfortunately, you know, we couldn't get to the World Series with him. Pito was uh, Pito was the the shining star through some lean times for that franchise, bro. Hmm. And uh, I wouldn't mind him having a statue around the stadium. And that's not to say he's done anything to deserve it from winning a world series or anything like that. But at some point they decided to honor him on the outside of the stadium or inside, I think it's well-deserved. And I'm happy he's going to the Astros to get a realistic shot at a world series. Like, Dang. You said a real, you can't do it in Chicago. No. <laughs> no owner's not real about winning, man. He's just not. He said he wasn't, he wasn't, Derek Hart, we appreciate you for tapping in with us, Malik. Do former players have a role in recruiting? Have you ever pushed recruits to ND? What is their role? If nothing, 
could they get involved? Uh, it all depends on how the relationship with the front office is. If if they're open to hearing, you know, I'm thinking, the front office. <laughs> yeah, I mean, at this point, it's a front office. Yeah, that's right. With the new landscape. Yeah, definitely a front office now. So, you know, they're getting paid to do their job. But uh, I think some guys with connections to guys that they're interested in can help, like mm -hmm. the Golden Tate, Kenny Minchie situation. I don't know how much Golden Tate was up there calling, but I'm sure there was a conversation uh, had or made to kind of get him thinking in the right direction. But uh, I think it should be players uh, heavily involved in recruiting uh, the players that can help the school win. Um, it's a familiar face outside of, you know, the calls that you get from the office where you're like, who is this? You know, maybe <laughs> some of that familiarity can help. I think that naturally Alabama former players help recruiting just because of their success off the field and on other uh, endeavors in the NFL, this, that, and others. So uh, there's a there's a factor that plays a lot into having success at at a at your school and then having that reverberate back to recruits to help keep that thing going. So I think uh I I try to help as much as I can, but uh you know it's a different situation with with the offense. So we'll see how it goes. We'll see how it goes. Lucky Lefty Podcast. We appreciate everybody joining us today. It's a wonderful Tuesday. I don't know if it's a taco Tuesday. Malik is out here putting up chicken and biscuit with red beans and rice recipes on Facebook yesterday. <laughs> I told you, like, if you follow Malik on Facebook, you would definitely find <laughs> Yes. Yo, check those recipes out. You know, you need some good food in your life, man. That's definitely that, my page is where you go find it. Inspiration. Inspiration page. Oh, man, bro, you know what time it is. It's time to get petty. Oh, we did a good job executing. Are you upset with something? And fire up the Petticoat Junction train. I just don't like you. You don't? No. What is today's petty historic Petty Junction? And Petty is for the other day, brought to you by Noah Whiskey at NoahWhiskey.com, that premium American whiskey at NoahWhiskey.com. As always, we thank you, our listeners, getting us candidates for the Petty Train. This one comes from our Twitter feed, where Dewan Haig, who's a longtime supporter of the show, says, man, you got to put Kevin Durant on the Petty Train for those post-game comments in that post-game interview last night. Look. I'll, I'll go ahead and put him on the petty train because you asked for it, but at the rate that Kevin Durant is, Durant is playing right now, I probably want to put all of the teams that chose not to give up first-round picks for him via trade this offseason. I need to put them on the petty train. Look, the Chicago Bulls, I would have given up the DeMar DeRozan first-round picks. Patrick Williams, whatever. Give me KD. I'll build around him. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, man. Yeah. 
You'll give up everything for KD? Man, give me KD. Give I'll build around him. I'll build around him. Man, I, definitely, I definitely would have done that before giving Zach Levine a max contract. You don't want to put KD in that situation. Man. He'll tear your program man, down. As long as he's not bringing Kyrie, I'm good. Well, he ain't gonna go by himself. You know, he need a he need a couple winners with him. So, <laughs> Chicago cool. buy that. It's crazy because I think, if I'm not mistaken, that he is he put up 45 last night, right? Yep. I am shocked at how many people in the league are like. You got Shea Gilgis Alexander almost at 30 points a game. You got Luke at 30 points a game. You got KD. You got Giannis flirting around with 30 points a game. Giannis. Every, dude, it's crazy. Giannis is literally running with the ball. <laughs> it's just like. I swear he got a rebound and took two dribbles and was at the rim, bro. At the rim, dunking without jumping. Yeah, I mean, it's just like, I think they're letting them do it. But then again, I mean, I wouldn't want to be in the way either. Yo, so Seattle Seahawks cornerback Darnell Taylor. Did you see this, bro? This fool was on the sideline. The Seahawks oh, yeah. stepped the ball. And this fool ran off the sideline and started blocking <laughs> on the return. What? What? Bro. I mean, like, he looked like one of them hey, fans that tried to any, any, any kind of child is like, I don't want to block nobody. But then he's like, I, I, I'm trying to celebrate. So like I'm out here now. <laughs> I'm out here now. I might as well just blend in. I wonder what the fine will be for that. It's probably a pretty serious thing, though. Dude, wait a minute. I think I got it. Here it is. Wait a minute. Look at you got interception. Boom. Great pick. Yeah. 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 What you doing? <laughs> Wait a minute. Look at your boy, man. Picked it off. Nobody and he's and he's way back there too. He's not he just rent oh <laughs> my man. I wonder Yo. what's gonna happen. Like you really get in trouble for stuff like that. I don't know. Put that dude on the petty train, man. Yeah. Like, what are you doing, bro? Yeah. <laughs> That's let the players on the field celebrate first. Yeah, you're a professional, man. Don't jump in there like a fan. Yeah, man. And then you step out there. That's a great show today. We got to talk about Notre Dame, give out the grades. Malik got to share his thoughts on Deshaun Kaiser's uh, interview on the Brenneman Show. We dug deep into preparation for the bowl game and what we would both like to see from Notre Dame in the bowl game. And then we answered your questions. So it's a fantastic show. Thank you for your support. The climb to 3,000 has been accomplished. So now the new goal is five stacks, 5K. We're going to get there because of you, LL Nation. We're going to get there because of you. Thank you for your continued support. Once again, if you forgot, all day yesterday, we had the Players Lounge with Cam McDaniel and Chris Fink early in the day. And then the Players Only show hosted by Malik. With Oscar McBride, Jerron Jones, and CJ Procise, both available right now at Apple Podcasts and Spotify via CFB Nation in conjunction with Irish Breakdown. It's the Lucky Lefty Podcast. We indeed spin it different. So, for Left himself, 
I'm Sean Davis. Man, we hope you guys have a great Tuesday. If you're not doing tacos, go to Malik's page and find something to cook. <laughs> yeah, motivational purposes only, man. <laughs> we'll see you guys tomorrow where we hope to have Coach Carl Reed. My guy. That's Coach our Carl guy. Reed. We usually have John Garcia, but we want to push John Garcia back closer to the December the, uh, December the 2nd and 5th dates of the yep. transfer portals. That's and right. have him on closer to those dates when we see all of the people that have jumped into the transfer portal and can really talk about how signing day will be impacted across the college football landscape. So for left, we'll see you tomorrow. Have a great day. But most of all, you got to make sure that you spin it. It is different. different.